So Money Episode 939, Kelly Brogan, author of Own Yourself. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. The reframing of that allows, I think, people who have at one point seen themselves as as sick to now see themselves as having an untapped potential. And that's, I came up with this concept, not from some like poetic, you know, sort of flourish, but because I watched one patient after another, after another go from, you know, seemingly permanently labeled as mentally ill to becoming, you know, healers and creatives and artists and really visionaries. Welcome to So Money, everybody. My guest today is Dr. Kelly Brogan. She's a holistic psychiatrist who has gone through a personal radical transformation in her career. You know, she began, as she says, really great at prescribing medicine. She was your go-to doctor for prescription drugs. Um, But after an experience treating her own thyroid condition, she put down her prescription pad. And in the nine years since then, she's focused on helping and treating her patients with more natural, holistic solutions. She's a friend of so many. She was on this podcast many, many episodes ago when she had her first book entitled A Mind of Your Own, which is about depression and how women can heal their bodies to reclaim their lives. She's back now with a second book called Own Yourself, where Kelly discusses how people can become free from depression, anxiety, and fatigue, and finally tap into their real selves, which then allows them to show up in all ways in their lives, in their careers, in their relationships. Here's Kelly Brogan. Kelly Brogan, welcome to So Money. Again, it's really great to reconnect. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me back. Not everybody does. <laughs> oh, only my favorites make a comeback. And maybe a third time. You are a friend of the show for sure. Uh, the first time you came on, it was to talk about A Mind of Your Own, the New York Times bestselling book, uh, where you're really talking about women and depression and finding their path through that, navigating that. It's, you know, mental health is such a, an important topic, especially these days. We're learning more about it. We're learning about how it's important to not compartmentalize it and, you know, taboo it. And this new book that you have, uh, Own Yourself, is sort of the um, the phase two of people yeah. who perhaps read A Mind of Your Own that are searching for more. So Own Yourself is really about life after depression and anxiety and fatigue to reclaim your authenticity, the vitality and freedom. Was this something that you arrived at based on listening to your readers and your audience, them telling you like, thanks for the first book, but we're still kind of at a crossroads even after we go through the process of really coming to terms with our, with our mental health? So it's interesting because the timing of this particular book, 
And this concept of personal responsibility, reclamation of power, and even bodily sovereignty, like who owns our body? Who makes the ultimate decisions about, you know, our health interventions? Uh, Is it the doctor? Is it our parents? Is it the government? You know, is probably never more timely. I couldn't have designed it, you know, better. But when I, I wrote A Mind of Your Own, it was because, frankly, I was pretty enraged about everything I hadn't been taught in my very stressful, very expensive education. And you know, really kind of the dark side of, of psychiatry. And as a a passionate believer in informed consent, which means that every patient is given a very full picture of the risks, the benefits and the alternatives of a given treatment, I, I felt really almost betrayed. Um, but you know, I, I think there is a definition of betrayal that is just an unwillingness to see something, right? And I wasn't willing or ready to see what was in plain sight. And so, you know, I thought I was like saving lives with a mind of your own, and I was out there with my sword aloft, and and here I am going to go fight big pharma, and I'm going to win, right? And what I found is that the people who have encountered the book, made use of it, the outcomes that we have you know, been reported. Um, and of course now at, at scale since then, it's been several years can't be explained by information alone, right? That, that I just gave them information and, and they just educated themselves and went on their merry way, waltzing off into the sunset. And so what I now understand is possible is that there can be a profound validation of an inner knowing that you have more power than you feel at a given moment in your life when you experience yourself as dependent, helpless, maybe even hopeless, or really almost always broken. Like that's kind of the, the, the shameful, um, secret that so many of us are hiding is that we feel something is gravely wrong with us. Mm -hmm. And so of course we're going to be attracted to seeming solutions for that, right? Which is often at your doctor's office. But I found that, you know, this information really serves to validate that, um, and, and ignite that light inside, you know, so that people can begin to walk their path of self-discovery. And that's kind of my definition of health is, is the path of, of self-discovery. And when I was in my training, you know, this concept of self-discovery, even in psychiatry is, is not really, um, a relevant variable. It's really about symptoms and symptom management, getting back to normal. But what if there's a whole new normal, you know, that's awaiting you? And part of that involves, um, I I call it like an order of operations. Uh, So my first book was very focused on this one month protocol. Now we've refined it and it's been in, in scaled operations for several years now. So the whole protocol is in my new book as well. But it's really also about, okay, so after you get to your baseline. I believe every single adult deserves 30 days in their life where they understand their power dynamics in their lifestyle, right? So where are they giving away power? Is it to their morning coffee, to their bagel? You know, is it to their resistance to exercise? Is it to sitting at their desk? What is it? Is it to their spouse? You know, so, so if you can get to a baseline where you're focusing on your self-care for an uncomfortable amount of time every day for 30 days, and you're eliminating a lot of addictive relationships to food and beverages and digital technology, et cetera, and you're really prioritizing yourself in a way that often is going to be um, uncomfortable, 
for a lot of, for a variety of reasons, including how, how programmed we are towards external evidence of productivity, right? Like, are you being productive? Are you going to get a good grade on life? Are you working towards that? Then you'll, at the end of those 30 days, liberate a lot of energy to begin to explore the other places in your life that are holding you hostage. And you'll have what it takes mentally, you know, in terms of cognition, in terms of energy, physically. Um, and then a sort of equanimity from sending your nervous system, that signal of safety for the month to begin to engage your life, you know, to turn towards it instead of simply running away. And this process can be very harrowing. It can involve a period of groundlessness, you know, where you really don't know how to identify, you know, who are you, right? So I have a patient who once told me, you know, after the month, she said, well, so much has changed for me. I thought I was, what did she say, a Democrat and a vegan. And of course she was at that time <laughs> taking medication. And she said, now I don't even know who I am. I don't know what to think, you know? So hmm. it is, um, it's a period, can be, uh, and give birth to a period of exquisite confusion, which actually is, is the birthing of a new belief system. And that belief system is one that allows for meaning, for purpose, and for there to be really like a design uh, behind the unfoldment of your life so that you can experience challenges thereafter. And instead of saying, you know, what's happening to me? Instead, you kind of say, wow, what's happening to me? You know, it's just kind of like a change shift in exclamation tone. point. Um, exactly. So, the, you know, there's like the whole 30 diet. This is like the holistic yes. 30, the Kelly Brogan yes. holistic 30, where it's, it's less really about simpler. what we're putting into, maybe it is partly what you're putting into your body, but to your point, it's also about the, you know, the, the, the actions that you take that are, are reducing your f ability to feel powerful and in your own self. And this, so firstly, how do we, why do you think we are so distraught? So many of us, I mean, on, and there's a whole spectrum, right? That some people are just having bad days. Other people are, you know, need clinical attention. And so there are obviously a lot of reasons for why we arrive at these mental states, but given the, given where we are today, you talked about this being a really timely book. Um, what, what are some things that we should avoid? Is social media part of this problem? Yeah. So one of my favorite quotes is a Krishnamurti quote that says, it's no sign of health to be well adapted to a profoundly sick society. And through a certain lens, we are collectively sick, or at least what we have been working towards on and for is no longer serving us, right? So technology is a major expression of a certain mindset and a certain worldview that says we are here, each separate selves to dominate, control and master our life experience, right? And that has served us incredibly, but now we're at a point where it's starting to feel bankrupt. And we have a sense, it's almost like our souls are stirring, that there is a way that we can feel more okay, more safe, more connected, and that there's a way we could be afforded experiences of joy that are not available when we are in our little, um, you know, sort of atomized, discrete um, pods in the world, right? And so this experience of separation, separateness is pervasive. So it's not only do we feel separate from our bodies, our bodies are something that we have to manage and control like 
machines that break down, but we feel separate from our communities, from our families. You know, we, we live in little modular homes and for the first time in human history, you know, women are raising infants by themselves, you know, that never happened in, in our entire ancestry. By choice, right. By choice, right. Or, or seeming so. And, you know, and we're also disconnected from from the earth. And that's not just kind of like, you know, some bohemian earth mama phrase. It's, it's a literal reality that we have now seen what it is to imagine that the earth is some utilitarian resource for us to pillage, right? And plumb. And, and it's not the case. And our sickness, if you will, um, the illnesses that we are diagnosed with, whether it's an autoimmune condition, which was how I entered into this world of alternative medicine, or whether it's, you know, schizophrenia, our, our illness can be interpreted as something wrong with you, or you can understand that your body, mind, and spirit are wise reflectors of a, a very real incompatibility, right, f- between lifestyle and the context we are meant to inhabit. And so this is where I got the idea that, you know, the folks who are most likely to be diagnosed with chronic illness, but specifically chronic mental illness, and that could be anything from social anxiety, again, to, to bipolar disorder, um, are what I refer to as the canaries in the coal mine. So these are not people who are, you know, particularly messed up, right? And who got a bad lot of genes and uh, some bad luck sprinkled on top. And now they just have to take pills for the rest of their lives and feel quasi ashamed of it, right? I think that actually these are the folks who are the most highly sensitive among us. And they're the most sensitive to, you know, toxicant exposures, whether that's fluoride in our water or pesticides in our food. They are most sensitive to nutrient deficiencies. Um, So a wrong dietary match for them is going to actually result in very meaningful symptoms, whereas somebody else might go on with their lives until the ripe age of 90 without a single diagnosis, right? They're very sensitive to toxic uh, relationship dynamics and to imbalances of power, And so these folks may even also be sensitive to what's wrong with the collective, right? Like how can we come into uh, a functioning as a, like a meta organism together, right? Instead of all of these separate cells, like cancerous cells, just fighting each other for dominion, right? Um, So the reframing of that allows, I think, people who have at one point seen themselves as, as sick to now see themselves as having an untapped potential. And that's, I came up with this concept, not from some like poetic, you know, sort of flourish, but because I watched one patient after another, after another go from, you know, seemingly permanently labeled as mentally ill to becoming, you know, healers and creatives and artists and really visionaries, um, out of the rubble of that transformation of mindset, you know, to, to reclaiming their power. And, and once you reclaim that power, tell us about how it beautifully shows up in your life. Um, because let's bring this home for people, you know, like how does this show up? How does this manifest at work with your financial, um, obligations, with your marriage, with your relationships outside of, you know, your home, like your work relationships and all of the things that we hope to thrive at, how does it transform us? 
So it's interesting because, um, you know, I haven't myself been on psychiatric medication, uh, but I have gone through the archetypal awakening process that my patients and, you know, many online participants write about and, and tell me about and share. And so I do believe there, it's like the heroine's journey, right? The hero's journey. And it has certain stages and, the place that you are delivered to on the shore of the other side um, of this chasm is more extraordinary than you can ever imagine. And some people describe it as like a flow state, right? So as a as a place where um, the the sum of the parts is 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 greater, right, than what you're putting in. And I often joke because, um, you know, I had this diagnosis of Hashimoto's thyroiditis. I began and engaged and I guess in some ways designed the protocol that I use because of my own health crisis. And, uh, and that was a decade ago. And, you know, my entire life has transformed completely. Right. So I live in a different place. I'm, you know, with a different partner. I have a different relationship to my children and my, I look different. You know, my, my, uh, partner Sayer and I joke about how we should do before and after pictures of like what we looked like. So 10 years later, I feel I look, uh, more vital than I did 10 years ago. Right. And that's not consistent with anything we understand about aging. Right. So Mm -hmm. you can defy the program of, of decline and entropy, uh, by tapping into this, you know, vital force, if you will, or, or just your personal alignment, if you want to keep it really simple. Right. And the prosperity piece, um, is, is a really interesting component because actually we, we are in the process of polling our online community. Um, one of them called vital mind reset to see how their prosperity has scaled from when they were struggling to now that they have gone through this portal of self-initiation and are on the other side, because my entire team also fits this description of people whose prosperity has scaled Mm -hmm. as you know, we have done together and it's not really explicable through basic decision making, right? So it's if you can tap into this sort of clear alignment with your intuition, which I think can only really happen once you have cleared the cobwebs and quieted the white noise of a lot of misalignments with lifestyle choices. Um, and, and once you have that sense of inner control, because even neurobiologically, the way that we are wired, you know, is such that if you are in a dependent victim oriented state, your neurobiology is fundamentally different and not consistent with certain, um, you know, cognitive patterns. And you will fundamentally be caught in a survival mode, right? That's, Mm -hmm. that serves you then. But if you can shift into this regenerative state, right. And you're, you feel the, the locus of power and control within you, then you access different parts of your biology. It's really, I think, relatively well documented. And, you know, you can call it an inflammatory state versus a, a balanced state, but it's, it's really quite a, a beautiful thing. But, but then you have the opportunity, you know, I have a lot of financial, um, financially related limiting beliefs, I'll say, right. Mm-hmm. And I have had the opportunity to witness this massive amount of prosperity coming to me and then my ability to basically disappear it into my team. (laughs) And, you know, it's um, it's given me an opportunity to look at, Okay, so now that I see all that's being offered to me 
And I look at my patterns and my beliefs, right? One of my beliefs I've been able to identify is that people in power are corrupt and they don't deserve to have money. Right. So that served me when I was like, you know, working at a bagel store and, (laughs) you know, complaining about how little I was being paid. But as somebody who's now in a position of power, you know, as a a CEO, let's say of a company, that belief is coming back to haunt me. Right. Because it's it's manifesting. But I don't think I would have had the ability to be curious about these kinds of patterns if I was still struggling with, you know, gluten and dairy induced cognitive (laughs) impairment, uh, racing heart from my six cups of coffee a day and, you know, insomnia and a general sense that I was just barely keeping up with my to-do list in life, which was, you know, what characterized my uh, experience during my medical training before I was diagnosed with an illness. So it's really not only about tapping into this sense of alignment, um, but it's also about giving you the energy back to interact with your own patterns with curiosity so that you can check them out and begin to unwind them with a good degree of non-judgment and self-compassion because that's an important ingredient so that you don't slip back into that victim mindset. Yes. You've been very vocal about your disapproval of the pharmaceutical industry in general, but curious to know your thoughts on when it is okay to take prescription drugs. I mean, at some point, you might need them or maybe not. I'd love to know what you think about that and the, the, the questions people should be asking themselves before they just take, accept a prescription because their trusted doctor gave it to them. Yeah, right. So, you know, that model worked for a while and now we're in a different model because of the internet um, and, you know, the dissemination of information globally where you as a patient have the power to inform yourself The way that I was educated in my training, despite my best efforts, and, you know, remember, I believed so much in medication that I literally specialized in prescribing to pregnant and breastfeeding women. That's how much I thought medication was the right choice. Um, But I was not even in a position to properly inform patients about the risks, benefits, and alternatives because of the nature of the system. It's kind of like, you know, you wouldn't go to a butcher to learn about veganism. So you're probably not going to go to your allopathic doctor, you know, your conventional doctor to learn about what you can do in your lifestyle to liberate yourself from a diagnosis and any, any need for medication. You are in a position to inform yourself. And obviously that's what I'm, I'm trying to do. I, it's not that I disapprove of pharmaceutical medication. I mean, I personally, you know, and in my family, we live in a pharma free household under all circumstances. Um, And so I have a lot of experience, you know, moving through various types of illness, whether it's like urinary tract symptoms or bronchitis or, you know, whatever it is, um, the common cold or flu. I mean, honestly, we really almost never get sick. I can't even remember the last time anyone in my house did. But nonetheless, if it were to happen, I would understand that it's an opportunity to support my body and work with it, mostly because I know the trade-off. And I have extensively researched and I've tried my best to include as much of that research as possible. All of these sacred cows of conventional medicine, whether it's antibiotics or acid blocking meds or birth control pills or, of course, you know, psychotropics, um, vaccines. And I've tried my best to just tell a more complete story so that people can make their own decision. Because the thing that squeezes my heart (laughs) to an extent that is barely tolerable is when people learn the hard way. 
And I don't want a single person to take a prescription that has a potentially very serious side effect. And these are, you know, even birth control. I personally took birth control almost continuously for 12 years. If I had known about it, you know, what so many have learned the hard way about it, I wouldn't have touched it. And then I would have come up with what what would have felt better for me, right? But I didn't have the full information. Mm -hmm. You may have the full information and still make the choice. And so be it. You know, when you're ready, you're ready. And you cannot force that readiness. But I love what Maya Angelou said, you know, when you know better, you do better. So my quest is to just make sure that people know so that they can make the best decisions for themselves. Let's take Maya's advice, but apply it to money. And, you know, we've spent so much time I'm so happy that we got a chance to talk so much about your book and your your framework for own yourself. Um, but if we could maybe sidebar a little for some personal finance chatter. Yeah. Um, so know better, do better. When it came to a financial decision in your life where you knew better and did better, what was that? Or, or I'm sure there were many, but what's an example of something that stands out? Actually, um, I have a very timely one that I've not shared with anyone actually, but my closest friends, um, and, and I'll share it. I think we are all struggling and I, and I know, um, this is something that comes up a lot, you know, in, in conversations about finances with scarcity mindset, right? With this idea that if you have it, I don't, and there's a limited pool of resources and therefore there's a, a race seemingly to get our peace. Um, and even if you are a kind and generous person and a giving person, that mindset has been, we've been enculturated by it. It's in there, right? So we each have our own personal ways to defy it and to act as if we already live in a state of abundance, right? This idea of abundance is circulating everywhere. But to find what that would look like for you um, and how you can serve the greater good of humanity through your you know, um, financial discomfort, I think is a very important opportunity. So, you know, I you know, I, I teach for free, I give information for free all over the internet, um, but I have, always felt that it's very important to make a financial investment in your health. And that's why, you know, my, my fees for private practice are very steep and always have been even from the beginning, because I knew that that was part of the alchemy. It was a way to vectorize your attention so that you were able to focus all of your, you know, efforts and visualized outcomes into this healing process, right? And, and I've been proven correct, you know, that this is a part of it. For example, with my online program, um, Vital Mind Reset, which is the same thing I do in my practice, that is a fraction of the cost of an in-person visit with me actually has better outcomes, which is a whole other conversation. Um, <laughs> but I, and I've given that away for free to a number of people and I have never, ever once gotten feedback when I've given it away for free that it, that they, there was any outcome. Right. And meanwhile, I have an entire staff of volunteers, um, tasked with writing up our clinical outcomes from folks who've actually paid for it. Right. Cause they're so extraordinary and like literally history making. <laughs> so I was at a point in my, uh, I'm at a point in my private practice where I'm shifting to group-based healing, right. And I'm ushering all of my one-on-one -on -one patients into groups because I know that that 
yields better outcomes when it comes to medication tapers, which is my focus in private practice. And I actually had the clarity recently that there's one patient in particular who's really stuck and struggling um, um, and was on medication for a very long period of time. And I've never done this before, but I understood that I needed to begin to treat her for free. And that she, you know, in particular, her family was investing an incredible amount and she was kind of just like spinning her wheels and not making progress. Um, and meanwhile, I'm taking my whole practice. We're all going in this other direction. And she's kind of not able to do that um, based on, you know, the struggles that can attend these medication tapers. And I just had that intuition and I listened to it and I've already been shown it was the right thing to do to do. Now, I've never done it before. And I may never do it again, but I think it's a good example of how, when you engage this process of tapping into yourself, which I believe has, you know, is preceded by a a solid physiologic foundation. You know, you engage that month protocol, you work towards clearing things up for yourself on a physical level, on a nervous system level, then you get those hits and they often don't make sense. Right. So they often, you know, you could easily, in fact, my, you know, my assistant was like, are you sure? (laughs) You know, what about this? What about that? And you just kind of know. And I think that actually for me, this offering will liberate something very important in terms of a sense of Mm -hmm. financial abundance and the way that it relates to service um, that I am trying to heal and work on and clarify. So I think those opportunities present themselves in this very individualized way. And it kind of is like, it's at the same time, the signature of that opportunity is it's at the same time, very uncomfortable and very exciting. Hmm. You touched on something, which is willpower a little bit. And, you know, a lot of what you, what you prescribe from, um, you know, the book and your framework, it requires at the end of the day, a willing person to go through this, to go on this journey. How do you get there? Because I think that's part of it. It's so much easier to take a pill. You know, you go to the pharmacy, you get it, you come home. But this requires a lot of self-work, focus, determination, willpower. So what about that? How do we get people motivated to do it, to even start? You know, I used to think it was go big or go home because that's my personality and it's many aspects of my personality that I'm working on. This kind of extremism, um, hyper self-discipline and almost like a self-punishing, right? So it's, that's really what has driven the development of my uh, online program. You know, that, uh, a lot of the outcomes I describe are, are out of, and I used to think, well, that's the only way you have to just understand the power of your choice. You have to make an uncomfortable commitment and just do it, really do it. Right. And I've understood, um, actually somewhat recently in my career that that's not the only way. And we developed a membership community called vital life project, which is like a companion to the book for people who were like, don't want to dive in the deep end or don't feel ready or, you know, don't feel they have the financial resources, whatever. And so in this community, it's like little baby steps, one week a month, we all do a challenge together. And it could be like changing your breakfast or changing all of your beverages to simply filtered water in one week Hmm. or changing your bedtime, right? So these little lifestyle hacks that you do just for one week. And what I have seen, even in the few months that we've had it live, 
has, has confirmed the suspicion I had that I had too limited a view, right? And that there is a way to ease yourself in the shallow end of the pool and walk towards this new experience of bodily ownership. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, of of personal um, vitality. And so I'm not sure that there is a way to coerce yourself. But what there is, is a way to feel for that yes inside, right? A way to just feel for that little rustling, uh, for that small flame and to just honor it, right? So how are you going to say yes to yourself so that you don't 10 years later look back and say, wow, that was 10 years of living in survival mode, you know, whoops. Um, so that you begin to take one step towards yourself, but it can be a huge leap or it could simply be a small baby step, a small way in which you generate the experience right, of a right. new, a new kind of change inside. Right. I think that's true with anything you're trying to ultimately accomplish a, a yeah. big, a big feat, whether that's getting out of debt or, um, you know, becoming healthier that, we thrive on success, whether that's a little success, a medium-sized success. So building that in, in the beginning, so that it's a guaranteed win for yourself, these small exercises, I think that's brilliant. So before we wrap, I wanted to ask you one last money question. And this actually is in partnership with our sponsor, Chase Kelly. And the question is, what is something that you practice or something that you use, maybe it's an app or it's a system, a process that for you doing, doing this thing helps to build financial security in your life or financial freedom, independence. Uh, but there is something conscious, like maybe it's a, you know, a daily habit, but we'd love for you to share a nugget of that with us. Yeah. So, you know, I certainly am in the category of women who took a long time to be able to just turn towards finances and look at them. Um, so creating a monthly ritual where I sit down and just really kind of like try to conjure up a feeling of, of lovingness, right? So almost like a, a sense of um, a ritualized experience around looking at um, my various accounts and expenditures. But I think the, you know, one of the rituals that's helped me just to connect to the flow of money in and out of my life is um, and was when I, you know, went to the bank and took out several hundred dollars worth of $5 bills. <laughs> And I don't know why I really love $5 bills. I think they're, it's like, you know, it's like a matcha or a cup of coffee or like a little treat. Right. And for me, it just, it felt again, like moving in the face of a lot of childhood programs around scarcity to have this stack of $5 bills in my car or in my uh, wallet to, to give you know, whether it was for tip or to a homeless person or Mm -hmm. to somebody in need and just to sort of have that feeling of, Oh, I, I have this to offer. Right. Um, and so it's become kind of, I don't know what, something of a practice that, uh, really gives me a sense of, um, I don't know, liberation. Hmm. Yeah. And I love that. Another guest here on the show, a friend, James Altucher talks about how he likes to go to the bank because you can only go to the bank to get this to get $2 bills. Yes, even better. I you know, that. which is such a novelty yeah. and a kind of a conversation starter too, like tipping people with $2. Yes. You know, I it's, like it's, that. it's special. It's, it, but I love, I love what you do. And I think that's something that we can all 
practice, um, maybe like to carve out a budget every month for just sharing the love. And there's actually studies that show that donating even as small as $5 and donating meaning like, yes, you could give it to your charity that you love or buying someone a latte, being charitable, being, you know, just paying it forward. $5 is actually something that has been tested that can lead to your own happiness. Look at that. I love it. (laughs) So just to put a bow on that, uh, what you just explained, I love it. Kelly Brogan, congratulations on your latest book. And we will encourage everybody to go out and get a copy of Own Yourself, a great read. Anybody who wants to really get back, um, get back, you know, into the swing of things. If you're in a rut, if you have overcome, um, you know, a mental challenge and you want the path forward, you want motivation and empowerment. Kelly is your go-to holistic doctor. Thank you so much, Kelly. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much to Kelly for joining us. Her book again is called Own Yourself. It comes out tomorrow and her website is kellybroganmd.com. She's on all the platforms, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter at kellybroganmd. If you liked this episode, please subscribe to So Money and leave us a review on iTunes. And if you'd like to learn more about the show, check out somoneypodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And I hope your day is so money. So Money.